0: podcast is
1: part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love.
0: Yes, we're here again and there's been plenty of action on the table, but we'll get to that later because for now, we've got a very special guest this week, haven't we?
1: We really have, Phil, very much so. Yeah, lots to talk about in terms of the, the international championship underway and the champion of champions are coming up. But very much the priority for this episode will be our special guest. And it is one of this sport's most exciting young prospects. Today's guest has been dominant in the amateur game throughout his teenage years. Within the English national championships at under 14, under 16 and under 18 levels. His dream was to make it onto the professional tour and he achieved that gene by beating Liam Pullen to become the World Snooker Federation Junior Champion in Australia earlier this year. And he's already making a splash in his early months on tour, taking world champion Luca Purcell to a deciding frame in the English Open, beating Xiao Yu Long for his first win as a professional and then claiming victory over Gary Wilson at the Northern Ireland Open in Belfast for the finest win so far of his young snooker life. We are very happy to say that Stan Moody joins us on Talking Snooker. Stan, it's great to see you. How are you?
2: Well, good, thanks. How are you? All very good, thank you.
0: Yeah, very good, thank you, Stan. And thanks for doing this, really appreciate it. I mean, you've done a lot of media already in your young career. We were both saying we were watching the CBBC documentary back, so on the One Show. You've got people like us ringing you up for interviews. How are you finding this whole media side of turning professional already?
2: Yeah, um, I'm getting used to it. It's not really my thing. I'm quite a shy kid, but um, it's what you've got to do. So things like this is all the experience. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Very much so. where you? you 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 you're very good to listen to all the time, as as enjoyable as you are to watch on the tables. Down, we'll ask you loads about your life on on and off the table. And it's okay with you. We'll go back to the beginning actually and ask about how you discovered that game. This game, it was through pool, wasn't it? You you played the sort of smaller table sport first, and you thought, "I'm good at this. I'm going to upgrade." And
2: it was on a holiday, wasn't it? Yeah, we were on holiday, and it were raining one day, um, so we had to go inside, and there were a pool table in there. And my dad just showed me how to make the bridge on, and from there I loved it. When we got back to England, um, we went to the local snooker club and, and look back since. So brilliant stuff. And it, it always fascinates me. I mean, with
1: anyone really that you know that we speak to, most of them take to it very quickly. What what did you find? I'm not gonna say easy, but what, what came naturally to you about it? Did you did you feel comfortable straight straight away? Did you think even on a full-size table, most of us think
2: this is enormous. But what, what kind of feelings did you have? Um, I just enjoyed it to start with. Um, I was sort of like putting long balls straight away, so I thought I could be good at this. Um, so, yeah, and then we started going maybe once or twice a week, um, got better and better, and then it prog- progressed from there. So
0: How quickly were you making sort of 30s, 40s, or even when did you make your first 100s?
2: I made my first 100 when I was 12, so after, oh, God. in a match that <laughs> was. Um, <laughs> so after probably two or three years, um, but to learn all the shots that quick, to know how to go into the pack is just, um, it's quite good, so yeah. Mm,
0: definitely, yeah. And when you started on the, on the full-size table, were, were you quite making 20s and 30s, like reasonably quickly?
2: In lineup and stuff, I was hmm. uh, not in games. I think I had my first 30 in a match when I was 11. Okay.
0: Um.
2: So, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we
0: me and Nick are very pleased with the 30 now if that ever comes around. And we're a lot older than 11. So, yeah, we're very impressed. I, I wondered when you first played that game of pool and, you know, on holiday, were you a Stuka fan at all then? Did you watch it on the telly? Did you have a favourite player even?
2: No. Um. The only match I'd watched is. Um, what were it now? It was Neil Robertson against Leon Wembo in the UK final in 2015, but that were only a few shots. So when I saw that, I thought it was the same game, but then my dad explained to me, no, it's different. Um, <laughs> told me about all the cues, the snooker cues, are thinner at top, just little stuff like that, and that interested me. So. And when you got into playing, did
0: you get into watching as well? Did you become a wider fan of the game?
2: Yeah, I I that. that's all I watched. Um, I used to play football, but that just got sacked off. <laughs> um, I, I just love Snooker so much I don't, I don't know what it was to be honest Um, probably because I was quite good at it straight away um, and then fr- from I don't know 10, 11 I, I knew that's what I wanted to do so Have you got a football team? No not now I hate it Oh really? <laughs> yeah I don't <laughs> like it Just went off
0: it completely? Yeah Oh yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, wow Well that that, that that is
1: quite something I mean what strikes me about you is you you were so quickly kind of f- focused on on snooker. So you, you basically you had football. I'm sure you had other interests as well. You had your mates, but you almost had that discipline straight away. I mean, I find that very
2: interesting at a young age. Is that a fair assessment? I think so. Um, I, w- I was focused on what I wanted to do. Um, I d- there were no... Um, what's the word? Barriers or... No, it was, um, I wasn't sure if I could do it, but I still oh. stuck at it anyway. Because um, I, I, loved, I loved it that much, I was willing to give out to do it. Um, uh. So, like, now when I'm on the tour and I'm, well, just started winning matches, uh-huh. um, it's, it, 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 we're all worth it back then, so.
1: And how quickly was it from, you're discovering the game, you're realising good, how, how soon was it before you were kind of entering tournaments?
2: Think I think I were about 11 or 12, and the, fir- the, fir- the first competition I entered, I actually won. Um, we well, no, no. were a competition in Leeds, it was an open age handicap, um, and I think there were four qualifiers over four weekends, and I won the first qualifier. Um, I, th- I don't think I won the comp, I think Liam Pullen beat me in the semis, actually. Well, um, but yeah, the, fir- the first comp I-, I entered, I won, so that was pretty good.
1: <laughs> That's a nice understatement and you, I was going to ask actually were there any guys that you, you, you sort of grew up with then that are now sort of turning pro or nearly turning pro obviously Leo's one of them and we'll come to you've had some great battles with him so uh, he, he's been a constant hasn't he so far in your young snooker life Yeah he's
2: been a pain <laughs> uh, <laughs> No we've been uh, we've been playing each other since we were 12 um, the rivalry's has always been a bit bitter but as we've grown up now, it's it's got a lot better. We're not as like, if someone, if one of us does well, we always say, well done. Um, it went through a stage, it's just been horrible, but didn't speak at all. Uh, when we played, it just had this atmosphere, but it's not like that now. Um, yeah, and he's obviously turned pro as well, which is very good, and he's a very good player, so.
1: Yeah, no, brilliant. I mean, Phil mentioned already that, that brilliant BBC programme that we saw you on. And there's lots to take from that, really. And just to say it's called My Life Taking My Shot. And we did talk about it on here at the time. It's still available on the iPlayer, but just to say for our international listeners, it is available on YouTube. So it is there to watch. If you look up Stan Moody, My Life Taking My Shot, you will be able to see it. And one thing I love is is obviously the the closeness you have with your dad, Nigel. I mean, he's been massive for you, hasn't he? And tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like, you know, looking at that and just hearing and seeing other things about you, you're not just dad and son but you're, you're quite good mates. Uh
2: yeah, I think I think that's down to snooker to be honest. Um when I was young and I was playing football he supported me in that. Um just yeah, like I say we've always been good mates but I think snookers brought us closer. Mm. Um travelling everywhere and stuff like that but it can also ruin relationships at times. Uh, we've had we've had a lot of arguments a lot of ups and downs but um yeah, he's done everything for me. So
1: yeah. And how much arguing do you do, I wonder? That, it looked like that stuff about turning from different radio stations, that wasn't just for the cameras. That looked like you do that probably most
2: days. No, we do that. Um, that's <laughs> not really arguing. I mean, like, if, if, I, do, if I do something wrong at snookery, he always tells me. He's um, not one of them parents to sort of say, oh, it's all right, it's all right, on to the next one. He tells me what I've done wrong. Um, and I think if it weren't for that, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be here today. So, Do you think that tough love is something you need at times? Hundred um, percent. I'm not going to name any names, but like we've seen parents before, uh, the son loses, and my dad does. My dad does do this sometimes, but puts puts around arm around him. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. And in reality, you're not learning out from that. Um, so the tough love's massive, um, and it's worked for me. So,
0: did your dad have any sort of background in snooker as well?
2: No, I think he played pool when he was younger, but that's it. Not to like, to like pub standard. Um, it tells me it never lost, but I find that <laughs> hard to believe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you've obviously got um, people helping you out in other ways. You've got—is uh, it you still working with Neil Johnson and Noel Flannery? So you've got sort of influences from a range of places, haven't you?
2: Yeah, um, I'm just working with Neil now, um, not Noel anymore. He was a massive help to me. Mm-hmm. Um, as most people now suffer from thing called yips, I got it when I was 15. Um, so we rang Noel up and he helped me massively with that. Um, so it, it was, it was of me being determined to get over it, but he, like I say, we were a huge help, but, um, Neil Johnson, we're still working with Neil. Um, like I say, he's, he's in the technical side, which is massive as well. Um, something to stand up under pressure. So yeah, he's been a huge help.
0: I was going to ask about the Yips actually, because it, that was an interesting thing to see on, on that documentary. Um, yeah. Are you fully over that? Is it still a work in progress? How are you dealing with it?
2: I'm a lot better. I'm probably 80%. Um, when I get under a bit of pressure now, I sort of, sort of start slowing down, but it's not like up, down, up, down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mainly the pace around the table, but I mean, from what it was, I'm just proud of how much I've improved on that. Um, look, People think it looks daft, and you see comments when I'm playing matches, and it's like, oh, it's so slow, I can't watch this kid. Um, but, but it doesn't matter to me. They don't know the full story. So, um, yeah.
0: And obviously, it's sort of a mental thing. That must have been, you know, the game's hard enough to deal with because it's such a yeah. difficult game, but yeah. that must have been a struggle mentally to deal with.
2: Yeah, we were horrible. Um, when it first started, I thought, I'm done. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm finished. I can't, I can't get down on my shot. It's over. Uh, so when we got in touch with Noel, it was just like, we're a revelation, giving me techniques to do um, when I'm there and I can't get down just to think, doesn't matter. Because it, it were fear of the future. What if I miss this shot? What if I lose this frame? I'm out, I won't get on tour and it's just all silly things you shouldn't be thinking, should just be playing. Um, so yeah, that was the, the main cause of it. But like I say, it's got a lot better now. So.
1: Mm. Well, that is great to hear. I mean, one thing I'm I, I'm certainly fascinated by is your incredible maturity as I see it for one so young And I've heard you talking before um, about the mental side of the game everyone knows uh, you know how how important it is but you've definitively come out and said that's the number one thing even more than any is that how you sort of that was a couple of years ago do you still kind of feel like that that side of the game what's in your head is almost the most important thing
2: 100% no matter what you do technically no matter how good your technique is um, if you're already in, in the right place you've got no chance um, you see so many talented players and, I, and I've been through it as well um, on like the start of the season, just losing my head of silly stuff. You miss a shot and it's just like the world's ended. But in reality, it's just a game of snook. So it's just getting that mindset. You can have the perfect technique and your head not being in the right place. You've got no chance.
1: And who are, I guess you turn to your dad for things like that. You mentioned Noel in the past. I mean, do you have other influences on that score? Because, you know, you're going to have to keep addressing that like everyone, isn't it? It's not, it's a, you know, it's a work in progress throughout your career and throughout your life.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky to, um, I know it sounds silly, but I'm lucky to have my dad. Um, if it weren't for him, I'd be snapping cues. He's the one that's like from, <laughs> from an early age, from sort of 12, 13. You know, I eat table in a match, I'm getting frog-matched at club and sent home <laughs> to school for a full week. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that sort of made me not want to do it. I still did do it because it's, um, it's a process what you've got to go through. But I think slowly but surely I'm realising you can't do it. Um, but uh, at the start of the season, I was letting other people down as well. Um, I, I was putting hard work in, but then going to matches, letting everybody down. Um, myself down mainly but I think that's the thing that's um, helped me to stop doing it as well letting my team down because yeah like I say we're doing everything right but going to matches and letting myself down so
1: and I'm really interested to hear you talk about other people that you know in your age, age range and around your age that you think ah they don't quite have that mentality maybe they don't have the right influences it's not part of their makeup and that will hold them back I'm really so interested to hear you say that
2: not really my age, um, just just people people in general. You see so many talented players and they can't keep their head together. I'm not going to name any names because that <laughs> that won't be fair. But um, yeah, that's that's the people they're the people I'm trying to look at, sort of not make the same mistakes and do the right thing.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because obviously you want to look at um, players doing the best things to sort of copy in a way. But also there's plenty to learn from people doing things wrong, isn't there? And I think that's right. You can see people of any ages, see very, very experienced people. Um, you know, not cost themselves entire matches, but it can cost themselves a bit of a match, and that's enough.
2: Yeah. Um play all players are different. Like you see players they hit the table and then their hand goes. Um I, th- I think I don't know. But then what what used to happen with me where I used to get mad and then I couldn't play for the rest of the match. Right. Um so as, as soon as something went wrong, that were it. But but as I'm maturing, a bit more experience you just you just learn to stay calm. You just know it can do you no good whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um so that's where I'm at.
0: Great. And Nick mentioned all those great junior titles um growing up, won everything in the English scene, um and then the world scene. Um yeah. what were your sort of highlights so there? Do you, any wins stick out to you?
2: Probably the first English under 14s I played Liam in that final. Um <laughs> a lot of people came to watch. Uh, so best of nine, I went 3 0 up. Liam come back to three-two. I went four-two up. And then I think he thinking up to 95 in, which was great for you know, you 13 in a final, a big final at the time. Um mm. then it went to a decider. In the decider, he were 25 up, we're 25 on. Oh, um, I managed to make the clearance to go to a respot, and I've um, I've potted a long black to win on the respot five four. So that's probably the even now that's probably the best win ever. Yeah, that's amazing.
0: I'd take it. There's no video of that anywhere because that that needs watching if there
2: is. I think it's. I think it's on YouTube. If you oh, search, it? I think if you search Stan Moody, not that I watch myself, I do sometimes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just in case you missed that, because someone was laughing, Stan admits he does watch himself. <laughs> what what do you watch? What do you watch back?
2: <laughs> uh, me and my dad always watch the the Luca Brasiel match when I knocked the one two one in. Looking back, I should have potted the black. I've got a bit of stick off some people for doing the one hander, but at the time it's, it's a split second <laughs> decision. So. I just thought I'd just do it anyway. That's that's probably the one we watch most.
0: Yeah, I mean, that 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 under fourteen games sounds incredible. How, how old were you in that match? I was twelve. Wow! Yeah, amazing. And I, I love this about your sort of ongoing rival with with Liam because that could that could be for the next thirty years, maybe. You know, you could still be slugging away in your forties and have <laughs> been playing forever.
2: Yeah, I hope so. Um, like I say, Liam's always been. Like the main guy at the tournament that I wanted to be, or they were like stand against Liam, mm-hmm. um, and we've carried that on. So if that carries on for the next thirty years, that'll be great.
0: Is that because he had a good win over in China today? Is that the kind of thing yeah. where you'll see that and be like, oh, really? Wish I was there doing that. And that spur you on a bit.
2: Sort of. Um, I mean, I think I think like you said, it spurred me on a bit. The rivalry is good. I mm-hmm. think if it would just me or just Liam on tour, we wouldn't be progressing. Because mm-hmm. all, all the way through the juniors, it's like, I want to be better than Stan. I want to get higher than Liam or someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it definitely does improve us both. Like, we go to a tournament and Leo, Liam will now wanting to get to a quarterfinal um, to beat to beat me. It's just it's silly little stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I th- like I say, I think it does work, the spur, spurring on bit. Definitely. And um, was there anyone,
0: is there anyone who hasn't come through onto the pro scene yet from your junior days who um, you think might make it, still could make it? Is the next person to burst onto the scene?
2: Liam Davies, 100%. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's from Wales, I'm from England, but I think, you know, I, I, I don't know he ain't on yet. He definitely deserves to be on. I, I think he'll get on through the Q Tour. Um, when he was 15, he got to the third qualifying stage for Worlds of Summit. Yeah, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? So, yeah, it'll be on very soon. Julian Boyko as well, he's he's class. Um, So, there's a couple. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, obviously, you you know, in snooker circles, your name's being talked about. You're winning these big amateur titles. In terms of the public, we kind of first saw you widely at the shootout. What a great Mm -hmm. uh, experience that was for you last year. And I was having a look again at the video, and of course, you're firing the first red. They're talking in commentary. Oh, you know, let's let's see this young man can make an impression. Bang! Well, that's an impression. And <laughs> and and you and you're playing you're playing looning and you're winning, of course. And you're loving it. I mean, you talk about being shy, but sometimes maybe that shyness is I don't know if it's cast aside in a snooker setting, but you know, some some people at the age I think you were 15 then, weren't you? You'd be, at, you know, people would be so kind of cowed by that atmosphere, but you seem to be
2: thriving in it. Yeah, when I say I'm shy, it's sort of like talking to people in front of cameras and doing interviews. But like yeah. when I get out on the table, I like to show what I've got, show a bit of flair. Um so that I think that'll perfect for me. Obviously, first time on TV in front of the cameras, crowd shouting. Um I, I think I thrive in that environment. Obviously the shootouts, potluck as well. He could have got in not too long, red and one. But um, yeah, it was a great experience. I um, gained a lot of followers on Instagram off that. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so it was great. great. I mean,
1: it, I, I'm not going to say did that kind of spur you on, because I, I just know how much you love snooker just from hearing you, but the, all those moments, that they, they all, they're all they all part of the journey, aren't, aren't they? You think, God, this crowd, this. I know not every crowd is as mad as the shootout, but in a way you think, you must be thinking more and more, this is what I want to do in my life.
2: Yeah, 100%. Um, like when I played Barry Hawkins in the British Open, I think it was a couple of months back, I was so nervous before I went out. Um <laughs> in, even after been been in the shootout with like the most nerve wracking thing ever. But walking out, I was just thinking, don't trip up, don't do this, sort of do that. But like when I played Lucre, it got a bit better, weren't as nervous, and then when I played Gary Wilson, it was just like it was just normal, it's just what I do. Um so all them little experiences build up and it's just it's great for you. So
1: yeah, that was just such a such an in, 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 enjoyable week. I just wonder, d- did a lot of people chat to you from the game that week? Sort of pros, you know, maybe very experienced pros. or they try, you know, sort of not say put an arm around you, but they'd have a word with you that week, or or were you yeah, very right. much, yeah, the shootout. Were you keeping yourself to yourself, type thing?
2: Uh, I can't. I can't remember if I'm honest; it were all a blur. <laughs> yeah,
1: that makes sense.
2: I think I had to do quite a lot of media work even before I played. Because it was the hype of this little kid coming on on TV, um, I can't me- I can't remember if I'm honest. Probably. <laughs>
1: uh, well, I will tell you one one guy that did become quite big in your corner, of course, and that was Sean Murphy. We have to ask you about about him. He he's become quite an
2: influence. How did that start? We were at an exhibition in Beverly in Hull. Um. And a guy called Robbie Watson who sorts exhibitions out for me and plays like Mark Allen, Sean. Um, he thought it would be fun to invite me along. Um, and I played Sean the first frame. We had a laugh. Uh, but then after the exhibition had finished, he sort of said, um, you know, I've heard about you. I've been watching you for a couple of years and I'd love to help. Obviously, people say we look like each other. Yeah. Um, my mum says I'm the better looking one, which I agree with. But um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, he just said, I'd love to help. I think I can help, yeah. Um So obviously, I'd be stupid not to say, yeah. Um, and it went from there. We're good mates now. So, yeah, it's, it's fun. Well, you seem to have a lovely time together. Phil, maybe it's the right time to just have a bit of um,
1: correspondence from friend of the podcast, Gareth Williams, who, who asks, please could you ask Stan if he ever gets fed up of hearing the comparisons between him and Sean Murphy? I would love to hear what he makes of that himself. Do you get tired of all this talk? No, I find it
2: funny. Um I, th- I think it's I think it's um I don't know. Yeah, people say you're like, I'd love to just see Stan on his own. Um he'll he'll be getting sick as this Stan and Sean thing, but I quite I, th- I think it's quite funny to be honest. Um, like mini me and stuff like that. So like, don't bother me.
0: And there's a lot worse people to have in your corner than a former world champion as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was I was at the English Open at Brentwood actually when you were playing on the next door tables and you had the game with Luca and uh, Sean lost I can't remember who he played now we lost a close game but I wondered if he was getting distracted by watching your game next door was that a funny experience playing sat right next to him
2: it was um, I, I I didn't think it helped him to be honest like when when his when his opponent were at table or the referee was setting balls up on his table he were having like a sneaky look and I think you've got to be watching your own game. I mean, at certain times I look over, it happened in Ireland twice. Mm-hmm. Um, we were sat next to each other, basically. And yeah, it's, it's not it's not ideal, but I mean, we're professionals at the end of the day, we've got to get on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah.
0: I was going to ask about the shootout as well, you mentioned before, because that's sort of seen as um, a tournament that should bring in more uh, younger fans, appeal to a younger audience. You obviously the youngest play on tour. Um, is that something, that uh, you a fan of the shootout? Is that something maybe your friends uh, watch more than traditional snooker?
2: Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. But, I mean, it's it's a great event. I, I, it's controversial or not. I don't think it should be a ranking event. It's potluck. Um, I think the only way, that, I know it's a different subject, but I think the only way they could make it a ranking event is sort of um, make sure they play the full frame. I know, that, I know that's a completely different thing, but make sure they play the full frame, and if you if you win it, that's fair. Mm. Um, but yes, I don't think I think younger people will tune in to watch it. It's more of a fun event. It's not you sat you've got to sit quiet. Um, it's a bit short, so you don't have to focus for as long. But <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I don't know. And back back
0: to your journey through the the amateur ranks, and obviously turn pro in Australia. That must have been a sort of mad whirlwind time going to the other side of the world. Um, What was that whole experience like winning the WSF Junior over there?
2: I don't know. Obviously, (laughs) it was great. Other side side of the world, I hated the plane. The plane journey was horrible. Um, Some were ridiculous, like 21 hours. I don't don't really like flying, but anyway, um, it was great. I went with my brother. Uh, We just had a laugh, to be honest. I think that's why I played so well. It was like the a, a side to side thing to the to holiday. Um, <laughs> I went just to have some fun, and it worked. So,
0: and that must have meant a lot getting the big win over your rival in the final.
2: Yeah, um, we spoke. To, we spoke to each other a bit before the match, but not lords. Um, and I think somebody asked me after the match what what was the difference, and I just said Liam let the pressure get to him too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, managed, I just managed to stay calm and do my thing, and it worked.
0: And I didn't know he had a brother, actually. Is he older, younger brother? Is he involved in snooker at all?
2: No. Um, I, d- I, d- I don't really know why he came. I think it was just, just <laughs> for a laugh. He really wanted to go. Um, he loves snooker. He plays himself. Not very good mm. like, but, um, yeah, we were a good laugh, good fun. I'm actually a twin, so oh. but he's, he does his own thing, so. Oh, I didn't know that.
0: I don't know if I just missed that. That's interesting. Um, do you ever practice together or anything then? Is he good enough to do that or not?
2: No, 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 no. He's like, if he gets a 20 break, he'll be happy. I think his ice is like 27. Um, oh. you can play with me and
0: Nick then, that's fine.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll let him know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a three-way Tony Mio trophy, I can see it.
0: <laughs> and you must have been pleased to um, in Australia. I mean, that must have been a great way to get on because... Um, you had a, two or three cracks at Q School, I think, and you only ever hear how horrible an experience Q School is. You must have been pleased to have to avoid going back there.
2: I think it's only horrible for the people that have been there two and three times when they've dropped off, mm-hmm. um, because that, that is their livelihood. I mean, it yeah. probably will be a horrible place if I fall off in two years and, and I've got to go back there and the pressure. But I mean, when you're a kid, you, you don't really feel pressure when you're very young. Um I I just enjoyed every experience. Um so so I don't know, it's more excitement going to Q school, playing on the pro tables, um proper referee and stuff like that. So I, ne- I never I never felt that.
1: Yeah. Well that all makes sense. And uh well Stan, you're an absolutely brilliant guest. We have we have to say, and we should say you are listening here to Talking Snooker with Bill Haig and Nick Metcalf. price got your happy price price line stan we're moving on to your professional days in a moment but I actually want to ask you if it's okay about about school and it, it seems like they've been very supportive to you and kind of y- you were doing a little bit you know less and less school as you went along and then almost uh, stopped doing school at all is that how it worked
2: yeah um so when I were in primary school it were a bit of fun snooker but like I say, as I got older, it we got more serious. So year seven, I think I did. I think I did the full year. Year eight, I did three days a week. Um, the same in year nine, I got Mondays and Fridays off. So my dad went in school and just said, um, "It'd be great if we could have some time off because the players he's playing against are playing full time and it's not fair. It's not a fair thing." So he went in showed him some videos of me playing and he said, I didn't even know you were a snooker player. Um, He just goes around, does his own thing with his mates. Um, See, that was quite funny. Um, And then I got better and better and it got down to two days a week going in. But then it it just got sort of pointless because it was at the time of like mock exams. Um, And I was going in and just writing random stuff down because I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Um, (laughs) the school got in touch with council and just said, can you have a meeting? So we met. have put my old my old practice-based levels um, with the council and he just said, now now I know what he does. Uh, playing Snooky, you, you're free to go. So it worked like it worked like I was ringing up every day saying he's not well and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> it, it were proper thing signed off. So I, I didn't have to do any GCSEs, not like that. So I'm free.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what? what? Was there, a, was there a part of you or maybe you are getting influence from elsewhere that thought at one stage I'll combine the two because every snooker player and every sports person has a different approach some continue a bit with their education while they're playing but you obviously thought the best thing for you no I've got to make it in snooker I'm putting all my eggs in that basket type thing
2: Yeah at school it was just a thing I had to do um, if I'm being honest I didn't really listen I was just, I was just there because I had to be um, or, or, or I, just, I just wanted to play snooker I I didn't really care about an education. People say you need a backup plan and all that. Um, And I never thought like that. So I just thought I'm sort of wasting my time here. I want to be on the practice table. Um, So, yeah.
1: That makes sense. And your mates at school, your friends, I know we got a brief glimpse in that that very good programme we talked about for the BBC. They seem to be very supportive of you and... You know, wishing you well and really enjoying your sort of snooker journey—is that was that a fair representation of what it is like and has been like for you? Uh,
2: sort of, but I tried to keep it quiet. It was them that brought it up about oh, have you beat Ronnie? Yet? Are you world champion yet? I said no, not yet. Um, not yet. But <laughs> I, di- I didn't really go around sort of saying you not know, like oh, I've just won this or I've done well in this or silly stuff like that. I wanted to keep it quiet. Um, but, yeah, they always asked, how are you doing? Uh, because I weren't in that often. So it was sort of like when I went there, I would join in them. Um, but, yeah, they were always good. So and, and
1: one other thing that I was fascinated by is that you seem to have, I mentioned this discipline you have earlier. I'm sure, you know, like any young, young person, you have, all, you know, obviously influences, but, you know, you seem to sort of shun any idea of nights out or, 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 trips to the cinema or things like that generally, because you want to focus on your snooker. Again, is that, is that kind of a, a fair assessment of what, of what your young life is like? Yeah,
2: that's, that's spot on. I um, think, yeah, I, th- I think that's perfect what you just said. Um, to me, like going out and drinking, it's, it's, it will not be my scene anywhere. Um, but I've I've always been dedicated. I've never sort of wanted to do anything else. So I think that's helped from a young age, getting that instilled inside me. Um, this is what I want to do. This is what I am going to do. So yeah.
1: Well, it certainly served you well so far, and and uh, we should move on to you know a, a great one you had over Andreas Petrov in in world qualifying. That was a hell of a of a victory for you. And I was interested to read a, an interview with our own Phil Hague uh, and. He, you said you couldn't breathe. That's how much you were struggling during that match towards the end. It was a, it was a hell of a moment for you, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, at, at the time it was massive. Um, you know, getting my first world championship win over a best of nineteen against somebody, somebody who's been on the tour already for a year. Um, he's got a lot better since then. Obviously, beating Mark Allen in Ireland, that that was that was just a fantastic win. Um, going into it, I was very nervous. Um, and it was just it was hard to get over the line. Nine five up and then getting back to nine seven, you start thinking, Oh dear. Um but <laughs> and he managed to stay cool and got over the line. So yeah.
0: And he was very complimentary afterwards. He was saying you're the best I think you were 16 at the time, you're the best sixteen-year-old he's ever seen. Um and yeah, like you say, he's he's been on tour, he's seen quite a lot. So that that's been nice to hear.
2: Yeah. Um when I read it, I just thought, bless him, you know, he's he's just he's just lost <laughs> and he's still <laughs> still said that about me, which is great. Um worked bitter at all. So yeah, good on him.
0: Yeah. And I think was it Zang Andy played next to so we've seen, especially this season, what he can do. So no disgrace there.
2: No. Um when I when I when I knew I were playing him, I just sort of thought, just go in, play the same. But I mean he's he would just he were a different level. Um I think after the first session our eight went down and he must have had seven breaks over seven. He was just like you break off, leave him Half a mil off top cushion, he knocks long red and clears table. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that that were a tough experience. Um, but then I came back the day after, and I shared the session. I lost ten three, but I shared it two two. So, my my attitude were a lot better that day. But yeah, class player. Yeah,
0: and turning pro and that's a sort of pro level experience. It it was that the biggest surprise that just like what machines these guys are. Is anything surprised you about the pro game that you weren't expecting?
2: Not really. Um, I've, I've played. I've played a lot of pros anyway. Growing up, um, getting that experience, going to practice with them, um, getting people to the club. So, I, I just think the thing that surprised me most was how good like the safety is. Um, and they punish you for the smallest mistakes. You know, you you leave a long red out, they pot in that and clearing table. Um, so it's just sort of learning that side of it. Sat in your chair for two frames, not potting a ball. That that never happens in amateur scene. So it's just working all these little stuff out and what to do better next time. So
0: it's part of that concentration why that's so hard because you think, oh, I've got a routine safety shot, but it has to, like you said, be to the millimeter. Or you might not see a shot for half an hour. Is that that part of the challenge?
2: Yeah, I think so. Especially when you're playing these modern players now. If you leave them a sniff of a long red, they're going to go for it. Mm. Um, The the game's changed a lot. So you've you've got to put them in the spot where you wouldn't want to be. Uh, But doing that on these quick slidey tables now is very difficult. But yeah.
0: And uh, I watched one of your early games. Actually, obviously, played the Championship League, and I think this is it was your first game in sort of knockout pro tournament against Slessor in the European Masters. And uh, I think you, I'm right, saying you were four three up, lost five four, very tight game. I mean that is a baptism of fire onto the tour. I mean, there's no easy games, and that was that a, a stinging loss, or did you take that in your stride
2: at the time? It was. Um, because I was 3-0 down, battled back to 4-3 up, mm. knocking, I think it was 70 and 118. And, um, so to come back like that, I was proud of myself after the match, thinking you've done well, you didn't just sit there in your chair not wanting to be there. Um, but I think I had a chance to win at 4-3 up and that it did hurt at the time, but look, watched it back, learned a few stuff from it and went on to the next one. So still doing the same now. Yeah. I, I wonder what, what was it, In a way, a good thing that the
1: Championship League was the first event and it didn't have fans there. Did that kind of feel like a a bit of an easing in? It's not the biggest event of the season. Was it almost a nice way to start type thing?
2: Not really, because I didn't win. Um, (laughs) The the crowds have never bothered me, to be honest. If if it was a live audience, um, I probably would have played better. I don't, I don't. want that. That doesn't mean sound arrogant or all like that. But I, I. do think I play better in front of the crowd. So obviously a great experience. Um, very very nervous. Um, weird walking out to play my first pro match. But yeah, good fun. And and take us through kind of uh,
1: the other matches. Obviously the Luca Purcell one was you know a, a real close run thing for you. Uh, what, your, what was what was your reaction after that match? Pushing the world champion so close.
2: I was gutted straight after I was, I was, I was very disappointed because I did have chances to win. 3-2, uh, I missed, I missed. A, I played a silly shot, didn't do it. Um, so then when you, when you go into your next match, you think if I get a chance to win, can I do it, can I do it? But um, yeah, like I say, great experience again in front of the cameras, world champion, taking him so close. Um, so I tried to take positives from that and it worked, so did Luke have anything to say to you particularly after that match no he didn't say anything to me I think he said in, in an interview the 1-2 the one, one I made were very special um, obviously a lot, lot of support from the crowd which were great um, so I, I, I don't I can't remember if he said up to me after the match I think we just shook hands and I walked out crying no I'm joking <laughs> uh, no I don't think he did
1: good good man you're getting close, obviously, to, to recording victory. You get there, you beat Shao Yu Long, and that must be just a, a special feeling. You know, it, it 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 felt like, as I say, it was on the way. And what I was really interested to hear you say at the time, uh, you know, particularly looking at that one and then the Gary Wilson, you felt like you might not have won those matches a few a few months before, which I love because it means you're compartmentalising your career even now at your age, and you're seeing how you're improving.
2: Uh, yeah, um, I, I, would just, I was so happy to get off that line against Joe long. I mean, first frame, one four four. It's just like, oh, here we go again. Um, so to come <laughs> back from that, um, make a century of my own, go 3-2 up, just trying to get off at line, which I did. And then to obviously back it up with two more matches. Rod Lawler, which is a, a banana skin. Um, I managed to get through that. Then Gary Wilson, I was 3-1 up, missed a chance. And then... In the season, before in the season, I'd lost that match 4-3. My head had just fell off. Um, but all that experience, what's been building up over the last six months, um, it helped me a lot and I'd, and I'd managed to stay calm and win the match. So.
1: Yeah, that's just, you know, as you say, a couple of wins, particularly one against Gary Wilson, recently won a ranking event, of course. That must just give you you know, all, all the confidence in the world. You think, I, I really am, even this very early on in my first season on tour, I'm heading in the right direction.
2: Yeah, and again, this don't mean, I don't mean to sound I'm gonna say this, but I sort of expect to beat people like that. Uh, I I know I can beat him in practice. I have beaten him in practice. Um, and, I, and I it's just it's just taking that practice game onto the match table, which I do quite well. Um, so like I said, I I know I can beat these players, it's just a matter of doing it when it matters, and now I've shown I can, it can only go up. So
0: And what is that feeling of sort of just being at a tournament for longer than you're used to you know is it, mm. people lose first round, you, you know you're staying there people the crowds think of the fields thinning out um you know you get into the business end of the tournament it must be such a thrilling feeling
2: yeah it was great um it sort it didn't feel any different i worked trying to build it up to be our um, last 16 i could get into a quarter final um it just felt like another match in the seeing not as many players in players lounge on practice tables and stuff. It, it was weird. But hopefully there's more of that to come.
0: Yeah. And um, I guess you've got a lot more uh, venues and places to experience on your on your career. But um a lot of people say that that arena in Belfast is one of the best in the game. So a good a good place to get get your feet under the table, as it were.
2: Yeah, it was great. My my new manager, Paul Lloyd, um he, he went a couple of years ago, and he he said, "When when you qualify for that, I'd love to go. It's it's the best venue out there." Uh, when we got in there, it was huge, massive audience. Um, so yeah, yeah, like I said, it was great. I'd love to play in China. Mm-hmm. Um, I played in Thailand for the Six Reds last year. Uh, that was great. I was playing Ronnie on TV. Um, going abroad, playing in front of a crowd. Um, but like I said I'd love to go to China but the waterfront is definitely up there mm-hmm. I wonder
0: if did Ronnie say anything to you when you played him over there in Thailand
2: Uh I think after the match he said something like are you on tour some, somewhat along the lines of are you on tour now well done good luck Uh you're going in the right direction so very nice words
0: cool yeah I mean in general it sounds like it and obviously we you know some have been very sporty but um Pros in general, have they continued to be supportive or do they sort of see you more as a rival and a threat now? Or is it is it general encouragement like that? Uh,
2: there's a few, obviously. Sean, he's, he's helped me a lot. <laughs> Chris Wakelin, another what is he's, he's a lovely guy. Um, <laughs> we met in Thailand. I've practised with him. He, like when I, when I when I lost to Luca, he said, don't worry, mate, you're going in the right direction. He was one of the first people that texted me when I beat Joe Long saying, well done, get in, I'm, I'm proud of you. Um, so he, he's another one. But, I mean, I don't really talk to a lot of players. Um, I, I I like to keep myself to myself. So, yeah.
0: And I wonder, you you made you set out your ambitions, and it was great. You want to be multiple world champion, master champion, UK champion, as anyone should think when they come onto the game. Being on the pro tour um, for these few months, are, are they the same ambitions? Is um, that changed at all, or could you are you aiming even higher? If you if you could even aim higher than that?
2: No, it's still the same. Um, I think if you low goals it's sort of like I, I don't know. I, I still want to, yeah, I still want to do that because it's something to aim for. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm obviously I'm not looking too far ahead. I'm not expecting to win tournaments yet. Uh, but if I do well, I do. Um, but I think it's good to have them high goals. It, keep, it keeps you motivated to keep going. Sure. Well, that all
1: makes sense. We've we've had a couple of people ask you. About uh, other professionals and the, the advice and the help they're given, but I think you kind of covered that. So maybe we'll take to a couple more bits of correspondence, uh, Phil. I'll leave Joe Gibney for you and take this one from Gary. Has anyone asked you for an autograph in the street yet?
2: Yeah, loads of times. Um, I think <laughs> I think the funniest <laughs> one was we went down to London for a competition when I was still amateur, um, and, and we we're getting his stuff out of car to go into hotel, and this this guy shouted, "Muda." And we looked at and he was like, what? And he went, oh, Moody, I've seen you on shootout, on TV. When you're doing great. Well done. Um, but like when I go to tournaments, a load of people ask me for autographs, um, pictures, stuff like that. So, yeah, it's great.
0: That is great. Um, from my friend Joe Gibney, uh, now that many will know you from the BBC show a while back, has that helped with plotting your way forward with the tour, such as with sponsorship, or do you rather wish that you sneaked in unnoticed with a bit less
2: attention? Um, no, we, we we already had sponsors. The main ones call it heavy transport, they've been a massive help. If it weren't for them, we wouldn't have been able to go to Australia, Thailand, places like that. Um, so yeah, the main one is call it right. that makes
1: sense. Well, this is the biggest turn up of our own talking snooker season, Phil. We kept a time, we said <laughs> we said 45 minutes, we've done that. This is in trust us Stan this is quite a development um I mean we've already we've already talked a little bit about your future hopes but we'll we'll let we'll end on on that I mean I've heard you say that you you are seeing these first couple of years as you're not going to put great pressure on yourself in in the round you're going to sort of treat it as a learning experience is that sort of still your mindset
2: yeah um absolutely i'm just this is like my apprenticeship i'm just seeing what happens enjoying it learning as much as i can if i win i win if i lose i lose um it's all good experience it's all part of it it's happened to like neil robertson he got on at 16 fell off and now he's he's one of the best ever so um yeah not putting too much pressure on myself and seeing what happens
0: final one from me because i I do like a nickname in sport what I've heard a couple of, for you. What what do you want your nickname to be, or would you rather not have one?
2: No, it's um, like I said, the guy I mentioned earlier gets all the exhibitions. Robbie Watson. He gives me one the action, like the Q action. I, I, I don't Ooh. know why, but that fits. So When people say "stand the man," that's a lot of rubbish. It's stand the action. So people people remember that one. It's not stand the man. It's the action.
0: Great! It's nice to put that to bed now because sometimes you know you get a few sometimes, but we can clear that up already. It's the action.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: Memo, memo to Rob Walker, uh, Phil. We, we've got to get we've got to get this one right. You know, when you when, you, when you're <laughs> going down the steps at those uh, the biggest tournaments in the game, Stan, you, you've been a brilliant guest. We we really are most grateful. You've been a, you've been a delight, and you know, thank you so much. And uh, come back and see us again one day, please. Even if you're world champion, will you?
2: will do. I won't forget. Thanks for having me.
1: Brilliant! Cheers, Stan, and best of luck for Cheers, the season. guys. Of the Thank you. All the best to you and uh, and indeed to your your dad Nigel as well and everyone connected with you, Stan. All the best for the season. Thank you very much indeed. That was brilliant, wasn't it, Phil? What a what a, a terrific guest that was. We, you know, we learned, learned quite a bit more about about Stan there. I can't get over the m- maturity of him. I mean, just think, mm. it's funny. I think about myself at 17, I think, bloody hell, coming on a podcast, being that good at something to start with and then talking about it that well, it's its quite something.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, uh, all these guys. Um, I spoke to Liam Puller, Liam Graham. These um, teenagers coming on tour, they're all so mature. Maybe something about this sport maybe develops that in you. But, uh, yeah, brilliant talker Stan, brilliant player. So... Uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how he develops. But he's certainly got the work ethic, the dedication, the team behind him. Um, yeah, can go all the way.
1: Yeah, no, very well summed up. And uh, that was just a, a, a wonderful guest in in Stan Moody. We hope you enjoyed uh, listening to Stan there as much as we enjoyed uh, our conversation with him. And we should say you are listening here to Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Phil, the international championship is well and truly underway in in China. And well, the big line to say is that no one wants to win it. All these big stars, (laughs) they're they're tumbling out. I mean, it's, uh, you know, quite a a, a tournament so far, actually. It really has been. And uh, well, let's go through a few of the stories then. And well, it's fair to say that Judd Trump is not struggling so far. At time of recording, we should say, it's now 22 ranking event match wins in a row. Quite. Magnificent from Chad, it really is. We we ran out of superlatives about three weeks ago, so let's just keep saying it, it, it really is quite quite a story. This he beat 12 year old Wang Jingzong 6 0 in his first match and then beat Michael White at 6 0. He's got Stephen Maguire, which uh, at, at uh, your time of listening may well be a match already played, in which case you can, one of course, follow the scores through our friends at sluka.org. But, um, well, various big names out, Phil. We, we should say Luca Purcell out, beaten 6-3 by Mark Davis. Mark Williams out, beaten 6-3 by Zhang Ander. Neil Robertson out, beaten 6-1 by Daniel Wells. And uh, Sean Murphy out, beaten 6-3 by Dominic Dale. That was before today. This is Tuesday morning here in the UK, so rather later in China. And we should say a couple more big names out, including the UK champion.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mark Allen beaten 6-3 by Techo Nu. Jack Wisowski beaten 6-2 by Anthony McGill. And just while recording, just checking now, Kyron Wilson gone, 6-4 to Jordan Brown. Stuart Bingham lost 6-4 to Ali Carter. So, yeah, plenty of big names going by the wayside. Um, Not huge shocks there, I'd say, those few that I just read out. Ted Chai has got a a brilliant record against Allen. He won his last three against him. Um, McGill beat um, Wachowski at the Crucible, didn't he? Um, But, yeah, it shows the strength in depth we talk about at all the time. But, um, yeah. Plenty, plenty of big names going out early but plenty remaining um, and just the two now scrapping out for world number one. It was a, a four-way fight at the start of the tournament but with Luca and Mark Allen going it's going to be Judd or Ronnie who's uh, topping the rankings at the end of the week.
1: Yeah, exactly and it's one of those now. There are so many out you just wonder will this be the one that bucks that trend that we see so, so often of of thinking it might be the time when it's two lesser-known guys in the final or, or two or three lesser-known guys in the semis but that not being the case because there's still being enough big names. This could be the week that bucks that trend. But um, we should say cracking win for Liam Pullen, uh, uh, the mm. aforementioned, much aforementioned in this episode, beating Nopon, Siankam at uh, 6-5, cracking win, breaks of 56, 91, 81 and 51 from Pullen. He's actually since been knocked out. That's happened earlier today, hasn't it? He? He's lost uh, 6-3 to... Uh, Zhang and uh, uh, but yeah marvellous win for, for Liam and uh, yeah you mentioned some of those live school teletech service there from Phil Haig and uh, mm-hmm. uh, we have also some big matches coming up as well which including Judge Trump uh, against Stephen Maguire, Dylan Emery, John Higgins a match coming up Ronnie's there of course still he's got Jack Jones uh, to, and we should say also that uh, Gay Wilson Ding Weave, a match that could well be worth looking looking at later. So, lots of exciting action coming up, and uh, and judge still going strong. You, you you know you can't keep a good man down. This is um, you know when you're hot, you're hot. Phil, he just he's just on a, on the most marvelous role, which is going to sound very silly if he's beaten by Stephen Maguire. Not very silly, but a bit silly. But uh, frankly, <laughs> the way he's playing, you you. you you don't enormously fancy Maguire's chances. Superb, superb player that Stephen is, but um, it's quite some run, this, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and it doesn't look like slowing down. Which, again, you know, potentially looks silly by the time people listen to this, but he's been superb in his first two matches. Steamrolled Michael White six Um I will say, uh, I do find pocket chat a little bit boring sometimes, but it does seem like they are playing quite generously. There are a lot of huge breaks in this tournament, um, so. Uh, they're a little bit more generous than uh, some tournaments, which is fair enough. But um but yeah. Um I think Judd played uh the best of the his three in the in the last one in, in Northern Ireland and uh he may be even getting better, which is quite concerning for everyone else. But he's just won <laughs> twenty-two matches in a row. Um but yeah, he's gonna take some stopping. Um but yeah, like we always say, you get, you get quite often get these um stringer shocks still early, and you're like and like you say, Oh, it could be it could be anyone winning this, but Still got Trump, Selby, O'Sullivan, Higgins knocking around, Looking yeah. looked good yesterday. I watched a bit of him. Um, so, yeah, um, it may well still be a big name with the hands on the trophy at the end and a, and a huge first prize. So it's a, it's a massive tournament and rolling into another massive tournament next week in Bolton.
1: Very much so. Well teed up. And we should say we will be along after the final of the International Championship to uh, review the tournament in full and look ahead to the champion of champions, which we'll do properly next time. Cause it's still a little bit up in the air, isn't it? I mean, we have the, the schedule and the draw through. Uh, it's not absolutely certain. It'll be on the days that, that, uh, that they're currently lined up for, but just to say that this is the way it is at the moment, kicking us off next Monday. We've got Mark Allen against Jimmy White, followed by Mark Selby against Ali Carter. And then the following day, uh, we have Luca Purcell against Barry Hawkins and Mark Williams, Rob Milkins. And then on to another day of matches Ronnie O'Sullivan against the international championship winner or Ding Jun Wee. Uh, John Higgins against Chris Wakelin. And then the, the last uh, set of matches Judd Trump against Bipat and then Sean Murphy against Gary Wilson. I'm sure almost nobody out there needs telling that the the format of this tournament is they play each other in what they call a, a group system, which seems to upset some people. I think it's not not too much to be that upset about. The winners of those matches play each other in the evening, and then we go on from there to the semis in the final. I've got your voice up ahead a bit, Phil. but we, I think particularly we're talking about the Masters, when you said, said before that we know it's going to be great, because they're all brilliant players, but you still get, a nice surprise when you see the draw. You think, bloody hell, we're going to watch, you know, Mark Selby, Ali Carter and possibly Ronnie Ding and Sean Murphy, Gary Wilson. They're going to put all these matches on the telly for us to watch. Bloody hell.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you, you shouldn't be surprised that um, a tournament that only has tournament winners in has is, is got a great field. But, yeah, when it's put in front of you, it, it's, it's mouthwatering stuff. Um, yeah, and it's always a a highlight of the calendar and, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what innovations they come up with this time. I know Matrim usually tinker with some uh, dress codes and ideas, not always popular with everyone, but um, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. And uh, yeah, uh, whoever gets goes deep this week is going to be busy again. But like we said recently, Judd Trump has proved that it doesn't have to be uh, too much of a problem for you. If you just keep that form on rolling, but um yeah. Imagine if he if he won in the international and head back to Bolton to try and make it five of a spin. It's not out of the question at all. And that'd be very, very interesting. Because he Champion of the Champions is the kind of tournament that Judd likes. Um it's the kind of tournament that Ronnie likes as well. So we'll see. It could be a very interesting couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, they were quite sensible in putting Judd on the on the Thursday, I felt. That was a yeah. yeah. <laughs> what well, he is playing, he could well well if he does it does end up being that way, we'll at least have a couple of days of rest. Um So, uh, yeah, he's he's just on a roll. But there's loads of really good matches. And I say we'll we'll probably preview, well, we definitely will preview those in more detail in our next episode, which is going to have relatively limited value, I suppose. But, listen, that's a nice problem to have when when the snooker season comes thick and fast like this. Um, Big tournament this week and then a really big one next week. And then, Phil, remember, remember the 25th of November, the UK Championship just around the corner Um, We should say, actually, uh, very happy that the journalist and author, Matt Bishop, will join us uh, to preview that tournament. Uh, We very much look forward to his company. So that's coming up soon as well uh, as we get to this late part of the autumn into the winter. Just a brilliant time uh, for snooker fans. We've done about an hour, but I think maybe time to move on to any other business. I'm sure you've you've got stuff to say. I say the UK on the way. Women's Masters next week. I had a look at their Canada, reminding myself. That's at the Frames Sports Bar in London, November 17th to 19th uh, for that tournament. And one for me, actually, my new column for Sporting Life is available to read, where I'm arguing that I don't think Judd Trump is yet an all-time great of snooker. I've been delighted with the response on social media, forums, podcasts. Uh, It's even been discussed at a couple of snooker clubs, people have told me, Phil, uh, amicably I think it's uh fair to say I'm pleased to say so that's great that column available now at sportinglife.com uh, forward slash snooker and uh quick correction for me actually as well as you know Phil I, don't, I like to keep mistakes to a minimum we all know that but the old one does, does creep in and I, I have to say that um Michael McMullen was not at the recent Northern Ireland Open I think I suggested he was because I heard him conduct some player interviews they obviously were recorded uh interviews from a previous date Uh, I did say I think on air that it wasn't easy to tell and obviously on that one I was wrong Michael not present on site I'm very happy to clear that up and Phil it's time for us to say we cannot wait for the Ronnie O'Sullivan documentary the edge of everything available to watch in selected cinemas from November 21st and then on Amazon Prime on November 23rd we waited a while for it we know there's going to be a, a big focus on Ronnie's seventh world title and he he won 18 months ago at the Crucible. Um, but judging by the trailer, an awful lot more as well about Ronnie's remarkable life, incredible life, on and off the table. And I think, like most snooker people, feel, we just can't wait to see it.
0: Yeah, yeah we waited a while, but um, the trailer looks excellent and what we've heard about it. Um, yeah, until that news came out, I didn't know it was David Beckham's production company behind it, which is a massive boost. I mean, you're not going to find... Anyone, any, many people with a bigger profile, a bigger reach through their social media profiles and stuff. So fantastic for the game. Um, obviously I've not seen it, but I can't imagine what could be in it that wouldn't be fantastic for the game. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, like you say, it's in some cinemas. Um, it's not in one in Sheffield, but I may even pop up to Leeds to want to see it on the 21st because there's that live Q and A, um, with David Beckham and Ronnie O'Sullivan, which sounds uh, like it could be very interesting. Um, but yeah, great news for the sport, it seems. Um, so that, that'd be great. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, just stop stook at the minute. 900 still going on. Um, I was watching a bit of that last night. Um, Patrick Wallace won on Monday. Uh, Jason Shaw, the pool player is playing in it this week. So that's quite interesting. Um, yeah, it's just busy, busy time, isn't it?
1: Good breaks being made in the nine hundred as well. Every time I saw sort of seeing clips, and the people, you know, really, really compiling some nice breaks. And by the way, we should say, um, now it comes into my head with with that kind of timed format. Not a terrible idea from Stan, there was it to complete the frame. I thought that could be a, you know, a, a, another form of. I know people, you know, say we oh, we can't have another shootout. Well, we can if we want, and maybe may, maybe we can. Um, maybe maybe that could be one but t- t- timed. But completed frames, eh?
0: Yeah, I suppose just a one-frame match instead of, like. I guess, is that what Pop Black was like, I suppose, which is <laughs> uh, credited with a huge uh, influence on the game. So, yeah, I've um, yeah, not actually heard anyone suggest that before, so that was quite an interesting point from Stan. Um, and, yeah, I mean, what a way to sort of, <laughs> as a 15-year-old, to be thrown into that atmosphere. Uh, it's great that he said that he, he loved that because um, we've had players say before that it's the most nervous environment they've ever been put in in the chat yeah, more so yeah. tournament. other tournaments. So uh, <laughs> encouraging stuff that Stan enjoyed that.
1: Didn't Mark Williams even say that in a recent one? He, I'm not saying no, Mark, him, yeah. Mark said he's never been more nervous, but he's like, most nervous I've been for a long time. <laughs> you know, one of the greatest players in the history of the game. But um, yeah, I'll tell you what, mixing the old eras there. I like the idea of a of, of a shot clock for Eddie Charlton back in the day and some of those, <laughs> old oh, Cliff. Cliff, you got twenty seconds. What? I beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, we should shoot off. I think we, we we've had uh, had a brilliant episode here. We're back probably late Sunday, early Monday coming up when we'll uh, talk about the climax of the international championship and look ahead to the the champion of champions. And uh, well, what are you fitting anything else in apart from the snooker, Phil? I'm doing the odd little bit. Your 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 chore here and there, you know rushes
0: the shops to buy this and that back in front of the telly. <laughs> yeah, just about. Yeah, that's about right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. I love I love these early morning stuff in, Ch- in China. Um, and a lovely way to set up the day. So, yeah, no, it's been good.
1: It really has. And um, I salute you and say thank you so much, sir. I'll see you next time. What a great guest we had in Stan Moody, I think. Just one of our, our best for some time, actually. And uh, all the best to you, Phil. Thanks for your company. Enjoy the rest of the tournament.
0: Yeah, pleasure as always. Thanks, for everyone, for listening. And thanks again, to Stan. Um, hope everyone enjoys it.
1: Indeed. We look forward to get this episode out. And uh, we would appreciate your feedback. Keep in contact with us, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at Talking Thank you, as ever, for joining us on this podcast. We'll see you next time from Phil and myself. Cheerio.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.